What's on the silver screen? I got some takes you wouldn't believe. I got you, babe. <laughs> do, 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 do. I got you, babe. So, yeah, it's cold out here. It's uh, Groundhog Day. And uh, welcome to Pop Moses Film. I have with me my Josiah and my Tyler. And I, uh, I like yeah, on, the, on the video that's actually being put on YouTube, you pointed to completely wrong, <laughs> wrong direction. Oh, did I really? <laughs> I was trying to guess. Josiah's below you. Here. And then I'm no, doing the right of you. Is it like the Brady Bunch triangles? Like, because you're you're yeah, in the host position. You're in the host position. Oh, I'm in the host. Oh. I don't know where that is. But uh, yeah, so basically, uh, welcome to Pop Moose's film. This is this is Paul. And again, Paul, this is Paul, Paul who would totally have gotten fired from the Brady Bunch. But. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, uh, for some reasons. But uh, yeah, we did Groundhog's. Uh, sorry, Groundhog Day, <laughs> and. Uh, do you want me to rewind that, Paul? Yeah, can you rewind Wait, that? how many groundhogs are there? Or is there more than one uh, day? There's two. Oh, maybe. Maybe. But yeah, we did Groundhog Day with starring Bill Murray and directed by Harold Ramis. And before I go any further, hit it, Josiah. Hey, you did some of what I do here, man. Oh, before I go any further, it's my thing. You're not allowed <laughs> to say who made the film. <laughs> I know, I could go, uh, yeah, I don't want to go too far. Groundhog Day. Uh, made February 12th, made, oh gosh, <laughs> released. They made it on the same day they released it. Amazing. Uh, released February 12th, 1993. Uh, I couldn't find who directed it. No, I'm just kidding. I was just a joke because, like, since you said it, it was Harold Ramis. It's Michael Bay, right? This is a Michael Bay, <laughs> Michael Bay vehicle. This is his no, breakout a film. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> Mike, um, <laughs> Kevin Smith, uh, yeah. Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith did uncredited Good. rewrites yeah. um, from the quick stop the when he was, was actually an employee at the time. Uh, the script uh, by Mr. DeMille. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who was probably dead by then. Script probably. by Harold. <laughs> I oh, hope so. <laughs> but but God, still wrote it. But <laughs> he better have been dead by this time. Or I would have been <laughs> yeah. so upset. If he didn't, it's like a 12 year old Paul would have killed him. Um, <laughs> I'll never watch this movie again. Script by Harold Ramis and uh, Danny Rubin, who also came up with the story. They actually won a uh, BAFTA, the British Oscar, for their screenplay, which is cool. The best original screenplay. Uh, for Rubin, this movie? For this movie, yeah. Wow. Okay. And it, um, and it was... Uh, Danny Rubin hasn't done a whole lot outside of this. Uh, he's written some things, but nothing major until mm. uh, recently. I, I haven't seen it, but when I read his credits, something called Our Own Devices that came out in 2018, where it's like an Alexa and a Siri like have conversations with each other. So I thought that seemed funny, having no idea what, about it. So it's that's... And he has a few things in there, but like there's like a 10-plus year gap, and then you see the Alexa versus <laughs> Siri thing. Starring Bill Murray as Phil, Andy McDowell as Rita, with a budget of $14 million, opened at $12 million, and mm-hmm. made $71 million. So there you go. Wow. Nice, modestly budgeted film. Really so, good for a comedy, especially at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is... Uh, so it was... Uh, Paul and I were talking before the podcast. The be- very beginning was filmed in Pittsburgh. Like, when you see those shots, that's Pittsburgh, which is my home uh, city. And, Are you sure? Uh, I don't um, think you said this on the podcast before. That hey, actually, this is a, there's over here in the corner of my room. That's a steel cutout, a map of the city of Pittsburgh that Judy got me for my anniversary, our anniversary. So that proves that I'm from Pittsburgh. It's from yep. Pittsburgh. It's made of steel. Uh, it's, uh, it's <laughs> I'm not. And I'm just like a like a poser. Like I want to be from Pittsburgh so bad. Not just like I love the teams or like love the city. I'm like I pretend to be from there. But uh, Punxsutawney <laughs> is 80 miles away from Pittsburgh, and so it's that makes it like. 70 65 ish miles from where i grew up because i'm a little bit closer to punk you know i'm i'm much closer to pittsburgh but slightly i'm on the way to punxatani when you'd see my parents house uh but unfortunately it was not filmed in punxatani that was my most disappointing thing to learn when i was researching this movie it's like do you oh, think that filmed- they were just like we're not okay with it they're like we don't know what kind of tourism this will bring maybe <laughs> you should just sleep somewhere else and just say you were here <laughs> maybe the funny thing is both harold ramus and uh bill murray have like after the film was released have like gone to punxatani to be like the grand marshal or whatever with the when they lift up the thing oh. so they've done that since then but they didn't film it oh, there. Wow. They filmed it in Illinois, so which is where like Bill Murray's Ooh. from. 
Yeah. But that is, uh, that's it for the specs on the film and who made it. Uh, I mean, the other people made it, but like, you know, our key players and we'll talk more about other important people and more about the movie. That's, that's all I got for that part. You know what we should do? We should probably restart this whole thing. <laughs> I got you, babe. <laughs> At least for the first go around, we have to repeat everything exactly how we did it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but but yet, like one of us has to not be aware. I don't know who gets to be that person. I guess it's Paul. Me, I'm usually not yeah. aware. Like, fix. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, basically, what you what you guys? Uh, I think the funny thing about this movie is like I think it's so rock solid that it's kind of been applied to different genres. Like you have Edge of Tomorrow, mm. you have uh, Source Code, you have Happy Death Day, which is horror. And so it's funny how like you, you, this movie is so perfect that you can kind of take the framework and apply it to other different films and make a good film. And uh, so, yeah, I just wanted to, what were your first initial impressions watching this movie again? Uh, what do you think? Has it changed at all? Or I, I watch this movie, I think every year. Uh, I, I, I love this movie. I, I think it's fantastic. I, I will say as as much as I love this movie, I actually think I like Edge of Tomorrow more. Um, I think every time I watch Edge of Tomorrow, I just get pumped. I think it's just because of like the action. I think because Edge of Tomorrow is like so many different genres smashed into one movie. Like it's it's like it's an action movie. It's a comedy movie as well. It's like really it. There's like a lot of thrillness into it. Like there's a lot to it. But anyways, but that's not <laughs> Groundhog Day. That's not what brought us here today. Uh, I I love this movie. I think that the comedy is fantastic. I think a lot of the jokes have carried over to uh, really establish what I find is funny. Like I I just think nothing is funnier in the world than Ned or or, or like Ned Ryerson and then just punch like I know Bing. <laughs> um. Like there, there are so many little things here and there uh, about this movie that have established, I guess, like my my sense of humor. Uh, like what's, you know, like I I don't know. Like it's one of the few romance movies that I love so much, even though it's absolutely not realistic whatsoever. <laughs> it's uh, but I don't know. I I find everything about this movie just like really charming, really fun. But most of like most importantly, like really funny, and then also like really dark as well. When he you know drives off a cliff with the with the groundhog, yeah, um, like a whole a whole extended sequence of like how he can yeah. how many ways he kills himself. Pretty yeah. pretty dark, especially you know like we all grew up with this movie, and I think like that's a sequence as kids. That's part of what we're watching over and over and over again. That's this movie. Yeah, it's the montage I've it. always wanted to see Hulk do, but they but Marvel's too afraid to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because like uh, the, the the part where it has him and the groundhog on uh, on the steering wheel, and he's like, "Don't drive angry." Like that's what kind of sold me on the movie when I was kids. Like, oh, the groundhog is so cute! Like I totally want to see this movie. <laughs> and I was like so excited. Uh, but yeah, how about you, And then the scene kept going. You're like, "Oh no!" But and even the way yeah. that the way that scene ends though is so perfect too because they they go over the cliff and it smashes it's this horrible and Chris Elliott to 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 Andy McDowell's like oh I'm sure he's okay and then the explosion <laughs> so perfect like so cartoonish but yet it works in this movie and uh, so for me just thinking about the movie like I said it's a movie I I, I grew up with and I've always liked it it's one of, it's one of those movies that it feels like it's been around forever in my life. And it's kind of funny to think, Oh, it's only came out in 93. Like it feels like it should have been for me, you know, I would have been 11, but I feel like I've just, it, I've known it longer than that. If that makes sense. Cause I've seen it so many times, like Tyler said, watch it every year. And it's uh, cool to have a movie for an underrepresented holiday, like groundhog day. And I'm from Pennsylvania as we've established. And it's not, I don't want to say it's like a big deal, but it is kind of a big deal because, like I said, it's I a- would absolutely imagine it. So, to be honest, this is the most like Philly movie or uh, most, hey, the no, most. No, 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 not Philly. Not Philly. Not Philly. This Philly. is Western so Pennsylvania. This is sorry, Western Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. This is the most. I feel. I feel like this is like 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 I know we've done Dawn of the Dead and stuff, but I feel like this is like the like like the established like. Philadelphia or uh, Pennsylvania movie, just like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, unfortunately, is like the <laughs> Texas movie. 
I would much rather have Groundhog's Day than Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where I'm from. But hey. <laughs> and it really is, though. You're really right. It, it has that uh, feel. Even though, like we said, it wasn't filmed there, it feels like Pennsylvania. And where they yeah. shot looks... And I've never been to Punxsutawney itself, but where they shot looks like every little place, like small town where I grew up. Like I'm from a little, little town called Russellton and uh, mine's a bit more rural, but it feels the same. The way that people interact when like those people in that town, it feels like the people that live in that small town. Uh, and so, but when I, when I grew up, it was, it wasn't like a huge deal that the groundhog thing, but you were aware of it every year on groundhog's day. And it was on the Pittsburgh news every year as it, showed when you know phil went that's a fake news station yeah. that's not a real pittsburgh's channel though and well, that just ruined this movie <laughs> yeah the reality is gone <laughs> but watching it now it just i kept thinking it's so cool because now i'm thinking like as an adult and like what genre is this it's comedy obviously but it's kind of like this sort of fantasy because of the premise and it's a romance as you said so it's like more Wait, things I, than i kind of remembered it being because i was just yeah. caught up in the comedy of it and enjoying the the weird journey that the character of phil goes on so but it's a movie that i've loved forever so there's a thing that like constantly like on reddit and facebook as well like where people are just like are all time travel movies sci-fi so would this be considered sci-fi but there's not really there's nothing sci-fi about it yeah, yeah it is very fantastical as to why he goes and back. What, like they don't even bother to i love i love that they don't um i read one thing one in the research that the original script had them in the loop the whole time. Like, or he was already in his Groundhog Day loop. And that was like the only thing that Harold Ramis of significance changed was setting up things beforehand, like that yeah. before they went there. And I think that work that helps for the movie. Oh to, yeah. With character and things like that. So you're not just that romance, that, that rom I feel like if that romance, if we had no context, but prior, it would have been a lot more <laughs> creepier. Like he was kind of grooming her. Yeah. Kind of like what, like what he did with what he did with the other women. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you need to see how he was before he entered the loop. I like he was kind of a miserable person that like uh, only really cared about himself and wanted to be, you know, an, a national anchor. And uh, yeah. you know, like you had to see that, like how he was in the beginning to, to kind of get that full character arc of his like redemption, like how he became the person that cares for others. I love his meltdown, like when they're trying to leave, and he's like just yelling at the people, and he's just and, and he's like, "Is it snowing in space?" Like, um, like I I love those moments because <laughs> he's uh, whenever Bill whenever Bill Murray is mad, it's like it's 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 cute, like 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 a pouty puppy, like. <laughs> and that's the thing, like Bill Murray plays like a lovable asshole. Like he's the only one that could do that well, like the lovable asshole, and like. I, I, what I really like about the first date is that as they're going um, to Pakistani and they're about to film, it uh, it kind of sets a stage of what you're expecting that first day to be like. But also um, what's interesting is at the very beginning, she's like a new producer and she's all optimistic and peppy and like doing impressions of the, gra uh, the groundhog. And then by the end of that day, she's so like over. <laughs> she's so, so over Phil Connor. She's like, they're about to go get a drink and it's like, yeah, whatever. And she like just kind of blows them off. It's so like, you kind of see how like, how, how the way uh, Phil is, it like, it really starts wearing down that the optimism of, of Rita, you know? So I really yeah. like that first day, how important it is. It shows how like, just how the way uh, Phil as a person just like really wears on the people around him just because of the way his personality is like, he's very um, selfish and sarcastic and kind of, uh, Stark. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an asshole. It's basically <laughs> just an asshole, but without the lovable part of it. Yeah. Um and also so, establishes that beginning real quick while we're there. It also one thing I noticed this viewing was he says, I don't know, I've gone the last three or four years. So he's already in this loop of life. His life is the loop already. So that mm. it becomes the day oh, individually, but his life is in the loop where he's just doing the same thing every year, going to Punxsutawney, reporting. So his life is already there, and I think it helped to establish that sort of more, a little bit more subtly because i honestly didn't notice it until the viewing that like specific line where he's like so much so that he just does it that he doesn't even know how many years he's done it i didn't even think about that at all <laughs> so that's, oh yeah, yeah that's interesting yeah and he's like so like oh the third year again like doing this it's so it's so weird i didn't even think about that at all that's huh 
Interesting. Basically, what I, what I think is really great about this movie is that, and I didn't realize this until watching it this time, is that this whole movie is structured with the the five um, with the five stages of grief, uh, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And uh, you know, it starts off with denial, like, "Oh my God, we're is the day looping?" Like I'm, you know, and then he gets mad and he like punches Ned Ryerson, uh, and then there's bargaining where he's like deciding whether what he should, he should do with like the the groundhog uh, and then there's depression where is that series of um suicide attempts where he's like jumping off the clock tower uh you know he drives the uh with with phil he drives the uh, groundhog uh you know into the ravine and uh so he like constantly commits suicide and like that's the depression and that's after like he gets rejected by by rita when he like tries to memorize every single detail of her and then still gets rejected every time he, you know, gets slapped. There's like monsters of him getting slapped constantly. Um, and then acceptance is when he, um, he was telling about like, he's going through this time loop and she spent, she willingly spends a day with him and they're like laying in bed. And his first act of kindness is to put the blanket over her because she's cold. And then he starts um, actually reading her, uh, you know, saying some poetry to her as she's sleeping and he's telling her how he feels about her. And that's the one, the first moment where he's, um, you know, he shows some kindness. Like he shows, uh, you know, he cares about another person um, because the whole time before that, he had like this facade of like that he, you know, like he only cares about himself. And, yeah. um, but this is the first time where he actually shows he cares. And after, after that moment, he starts, you know, changing a tune. You know, he starts becoming. Uh, His heart you see the turning five, point. Five, five sizes that day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He like stops becoming the Grinch, and like he becomes like uh, different holiday. Like, like, different holiday. Cares <laughs> about other people, and so yeah. So I, I thought that was interesting. Like I, I can see how like it's it's kind of like the movie structured with the the five stages of grief. Um, I never so, ever put that together. Like. Like that's awesome. No, that's that's very deep. I, I, I yeah. I, I just, Dude, I, I just, I just think he's an asshole, and no, he's not an asshole anymore. <laughs> that's like, yeah. <laughs> and I totally appreciate that, that that subtext, you know, that um, because it, yeah, it's really I effective just, now. I, exactly, and and the thing is, like, that's the thing about this movie. Like, you could just, it's so simple, and it's it's in, in the way it plays out. But you can really, if you want to, you can really kind of. Um, analyze it and dig deep and like i know philosophers like i was i was actually putting a joke about uh like we don't want to make this episode too long and i'm like well i could go into the existentialism and nihilism and all this other stuff all the philosophy behind it uh break out your thesaurus everybody i know right yeah, i yeah. know <laughs> good thing we're not playing scrabble right now <laughs> i know i know uh but yeah what do you guys think about that uh you think i'm full of shit or do you agree or you know what what do you think no, I, I don't think that I, I I I think that you what you're saying is absolutely probably what they intended and in, in what the movie is about. And I am not smart enough as an audience member to pick up on it when I just think, oh, Bill Murray is an asshole. And but yet he now he's not. And that, that's 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 all I catch is like more. I, I don't think it, it, it's weird with a lot of comedy movies. I don't really think about them too deeply unless depending on who the director is, but no, it's, it's very interesting. I think it's kind of like the same thing with that uh, with Scrooged, you know, the other movie that we talked about with Bill Murray, where it's just kind of like, I don't really think too much into it where I just kind of, it's all about the performances for me with these movies. Uh, because a lot of the times when I see Bill Murray, I think Groundhog Day stripes and, um, and uh caddyshack and so you know i don't really think anything much into caddyshack and stripes and i guess that's unfair for him as an actor and i shouldn't think that way when you see him in a movie but uh you know at least i don't think of garfield so that's a good thing that's that's how i feel <laughs> and the thing is like with, with bill murray like he's the only one that could do this like he's the only one that could pull off this arc and pull off both this phil connors and um uh I forgot his name in Scrooge, but Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, he's the Scrooge only one too. that can carry out, like, could actually do this, you know? Because, uh, yeah, I, I think if anybody else did it, they would come off like too uh, unlikable to where you don't care about the arc, like where uh, you know. I mean, like, like he just has that. It's perfect Frank. Balance. 
Frank something. Frank. Oh, yeah. Right? Frank. Frank. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. It just you're popped right. in my head. <laughs> thank you. Thank it's, you. It's been uh, over yeah, a month. So, I won't remember his yeah. name. So I, won't, I don't like, remember his name until yeah. next December again. Yeah, right. So, right. so how about you, Josiah? What do you, what do you think about uh yeah, that sounds great. I think that's that's very <laughs> wonderful. A plus. Okay. I was I was I was assuming you're you get a check mark. I know. I'll hit the like button. One on gold star for Paul. You get a sm- half a smiley face sticker, Paul, because your assignment was late. No, I don't know. Um <laughs> You slept very well during nap time. We're very proud of you. <laughs> like I didn't see it uh in the specifics of the stages of grief necessarily, but I, I saw the the arc of the character. Cause you know, I, yeah. I, I I'm 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 the writer guy, so I always think in terms of story. And essentially what you want is with your protagonist, they go through some kind of change. And and when you're approaching a story, a lot of the time you'll think, okay, we uh, there's a point where it's like, okay, they think a certain way and they're like kind of essentially there's this upward movement and then it's, you know, like then down and, and then back up like that's it. But when you use that, that's a great way to process that story. And it, I really can see it. I'd like to watch it again with that specific intention in mind to, like, to follow through with how it fits. But I, I certainly saw aspects of it. Um, like I don't know that the only part that I kind of wonder if it's maybe it's just the wording of like at the end it's not acceptance it's that's where he's changed and then I guess maybe acceptance does work he's changed and he's going to do the best with what he has now whatever if and it's almost as if maybe the acceptance is if he stays in that loop this is going to be the the best day ever for everyone else around him yeah and it's not about him anymore. That's the acceptance. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's what I kind of like was thinking with acceptance is that he's making the best of his, his circumstances. And so instead of being, you know, a guy that steals money from the bank or whatever it is, or punching Ned Ryerson, he's the guy that's gonna improve everybody's life around him. And and so like that's that's what I thought was for me acceptance. Like exactly what you said. But what were you saying, Tyler? Nothing. I was gonna make a really stupid joke and it's not it's <laughs> no, not go ahead. Thing. Go ahead. No, it's the, the dun, moment dun, has passed. Dun, dun, I got you, babe. Dun, 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 I got you, babe. That's our reset, and we never want to redo anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> I got you, babe. But, yeah, I, you know what I really appreciate about this movie is that every single person in the movie is a character in itself, and the way you see um, Bill Murray's, or uh, Phil's arc is that uh, is how he interacts with them. And, you know, you begin the movie with him, like, being totally dis- disregarding all of them. Like, he's like, oh, these people are beneath me. They live in a small town. Fuck them. To, and then to where he – and then he has a date with that one woman. He, like, memorizes everything. And she's like, oh, I went to the same high school you did and all that stuff. And he, like, uh, he, like totally kind of exploiting her in a way. Uh, and in then, a way. This is just totally exploiting oh, yeah. her. Yeah. Not in yeah, a totally, way. Just, Total grooming. <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, and then so, like, but he starts to really get to know each of the people. Like, he, my favorite sequence is when he, um, there's a little old ladies and they're driving in their Cadillac or whatever, and they get a flat tire. And all of a sudden, they're like, what is that? They're like raising up. Yeah. And, and he's like, fixing the flat tire. And he's like, oh, I really have good membership at AAA. Oh, I, I just love that sequence. So, um, so, in your opinion, what is your favorite kind of uh, character interaction? Uh, with uh, Phil and one of the, you know, one of the townsfolk of Puxitani. Uh, mine's the one when he, um, you know, you know, when General Zod got engaged and uh, and he was there. Yes. <laughs> no, he was um, so young. Oh, that's so funny. I was gonna actually. Henry Cavill flies in and breaks his neck and steals his bride. Yeah, that's right. How yeah. That's how that's how Groundhog Day <laughs> should have ended. <laughs> I wonder. Anyway. I wonder if before he met his, his bride, he's like, "I will find her." Like, like, and what, what was with that fish man that came in for no reason? Just kidding. <laughs> um, no. Um, I, 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 I love, I love the old lady one. Ah, I don't know. Like, I, I like them all. Like, like I think. Um, you, you want me to go back to you? Because uh, wait, 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 wait. Can I say that I think my favorite arc is actually with him and his brother, like real life brother, uh, who plays the mayor, Brian Doyle Murray. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I I like that. I, I, I like. I don't know. I, I thought it was kind of like nice and sweet, and then also like the fact that they're brothers too in real life. It was just kind of like, oh, cool. 
I like that arc. I don't know. Um, I think I like generally what I like about the characters. If you watch it, it's very the beginning's very sitcommy and they're very mm-hmm. uh caricature-y and over the top and ridiculous, but then as you get to know them, it's they're very real, real people yeah. underneath that. And that's and, and I say it's sitcom and cartoony, but at the at the same time, that's a lot of time how people are. They like that Ned Ryerson, he puts on this facade because of his own insecurities and all these things, and he doesn't really know how to interact with people. So he's just trying so unbelievably hard that you hate him. But if you can get past that, there's a real person that, you know, his mom cares about, I'm sure that kind of thing, and that you should be able to care about. So for me though, the the interaction that I liked the most was the guys that he sees at the diner. It's like when he's I think like it's the start of like figuring it. It might be early in the movie. I can't remember exactly where it happens. But they go to the bowling alley and they're drinking and he's like talking to them about being in the loop. And and uh, the guy, the one, he explains it and he's like, you, you live, do you ever feel like you're living the same day over and over again? And the one guy goes, that about sums it up for me. <laughs> and it's just like so hilarious, but sad and perfect. That was for me like the best one. Just, I like that scene the, overall. The perfect response from somebody from a small town. Yeah. And, and that guy, I don't think it, like, and I think, you know, it's that perfect kind of uh, writing directing where I don't think that character spoke the whole scene. It's the other guy who's kind of like the loudmouth character who I can't think of his name as an actor, but he's in a lot of like, he's always like a small part in all these Bill Murray type movies. And he uh, is talking most of the time and they're listening to Phil, what Phil has to say. And then at the end, the punchline of the scene is that guy's line. That was my favorite. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, I just like how each each person kind of reflects a part of his personality. Like it, uh, like interacting with them shows a part of Phil's personality. Uh, So I just think that's, I don't know. It's really neat. Oh, I don't know. This movie is just brilliant in in a way that it just, um, and I would say that it, in many ways it's timeless, you know, because it just, uh, you know, every time you, you watch it, you kind of see it on a different level. And I actually, it's funny. I've seen this movie probably a couple dozen times, but I actually enjoyed it the most watching it today, uh, watching it again. Uh, there's actually a debate that how long he's stuck in this time loop. Like what, uh, there's a debate that it's either eight years, 12 years, some say even like a hundred. So what do you think? Where, you know, like how, how long do you think he's stuck in this time loop? And not only that, but if you were stuck in a time loop, like what is the thing that you would do that maybe that he didn't do in the movie? Um, well, I think we have a lot more opportunity in being in like Southern California. So that there's a well, lot. That, um, uh, I mean, Hey, you- there's not a lot of opportunity in Western Pennsylvania. No, no, no. Well, Not for uh, one day. And I'm, the, and I'm the person who moved from Western Pennsylvania, where I currently live in Southern California, where I'm recording um, this from. But you would have to be exactly <laughs> in those circumstances. Like, you're same town, you're in Puxtani, you know, you're exactly the same same time period, everything. I'm just, uh, okay, okay. I, I, I feel like a, a major, um, like a major tell on how long he was there, uh, or uh, he, he repeated goes with how long does it take to master piano? Because I'm assuming that I I would say all of them, but except for all the days he kills himself and all the terrible stuff. So let's, that's going to be around, I would say 30 to 40 to 50 days because you can easily learn people's stuff one by one because throughout the day, because it's it's a day. So I would say like, that's maybe around a third. I would say that like that's around 30. And then from the piano on, uh, I mean that's mastering uh, pian- that like mastering thirty eight days that are shown in the actual movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but there's, I'm sure there's a lot of other days that are not actually shown. Yeah, I'm sure that. they. I'm sure he tried to kill himself other ways too. But like, uh, I would I would say probably around 150 to 200 because he gets like crazy for a little bit and then like, so 200 years or days day uh, times. Yeah, I would say 200. Oh, yeah. I would say 150. I was, I mean, again, he has to like learn piano, and that's for an hour a day. Uh, that's how usually how long piano lessons are. And he didn't know how to do anything at first, and then he was doing some really, really um, specific techniques during it. And so that's that comes from a lot of a lot of uh, training. So I would say yeah, 150 to 200. Or I would say 250 to 300 times, honestly. And what would you do? What would your um, 
uh, if you were in this scenario, what would your uh... Uh, try to be best friends with Jason Manzukis? Not gonna lie, I want to be. I want to be friends with Jason Manzukis so badly. I just want to just grab a drink with him and that's it, and just say you're awesome and you're my friend, and then that's it. Yeah. That's the saddest Ooh. thing I've ever said. <laughs> No, that's not sad. You want to be a friend with a particular person. That's not sad. Well, a little bit, but... He, he just seems <laughs> just like... so cool and so funny. Like, yeah. Yeah. How are you, Josiah? So the first question, I think... I don't, don't take this the wrong way, but you know I don't care about that part. That's I never care about that function of it. Like, because I, although I do appreciate and like Tyler's thought about the piano part in terms of understanding how long it would be, because like, oh, yeah you're coming from nothing to mastering piano and playing anything he wants to play. That's, that's probably telling with the time. I, Ma- Malcolm Gladwell can probably wrote a book about that. What was that book he wrote? Outliers, where it's like the 10,000 hours to master something kind of thing or whatever it is. So you can throw that calculation on there because I don't, I don't, I, I remember as a kid watching it once and I did try to count the number of loops. Um, I have no idea how successful I was, but I do remember trying to do that once when I watched it. But I feel like, kind of I talked a little bit earlier, I don't care about that sort of window dressing if I'm so immersed in Believe the World. Like in a sci-fi movie or something, I don't need to know all the goings of it. Like a lot of like, you know, when you look at Star Wars, when you have world building, and this film also has world building in its own way, that I believe the rules and all those things, so I'm not questioning them so i'm not concerned with how long it is i i I am concerned with how that length clearly affects the way he behaves and how it it wears on him and those things so i guess it doesn't matter but i'm not really interested in the actual time but i I don't mind hearing like other people sort of pontificate about. i only question it because (laughs) i used to play piano and i was no and i appreciate that because i never have and i'm like oh that's a good way to look at it like if i've never yeah. played piano and how would i Even like I, learning how to ice sculpture like how long does that take to master that exactly yeah, like, oh my god i forgot like, about the ice sculpture yeah how long does it take to like, learn two that he didn't learn that okay now i'm thinking better? a thousand i'm thinking like a thousand days honestly like ice sculpting jesus like and then yeah learn every detail of every person and like to figure out well like i said i think he, i think he can do that take notes and stuff like that and like yeah. I, I think he could I, I think he could learn the people you know relatively you know okay because again that's just repeating where he just like it's like oh yeah your brother phil and they're like you mean my brother john is like oh shit next day and then like <laughs> <laughs> So, so Josiah, what would you do if you were in that scenario? How would you react? I don't know. What do you I, like? What like? I would try to be a good person so that I can get on the next day. I would yeah, try to stop true. being a jerk and be learn how to be selfless, and that would be what resets the time clock. <laughs> what if your loop was all about you being too good of a person, and now you have to, to, be, a to be scumbag? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'd be like, it'd be like, it'd be like GTA, like, you know, like Grand Theft Auto over here. Like, assuming I'm a jerk like him, I, I, I guess, I, I think one thing that I would be interested in, I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea where I would go with that. Cause like, I'm not him. I'm so not him. Like, I'm not like, I'm not like a great, I'm not like the best guy in the world, but I'm not him. I would do things I, w- I would be normally afraid of, like skydiving and stuff like that. Like things I would never do anyway, but under, very fantastical circumstances. Yes, I will do those things. <laughs> Maybe learn piano. Kind of want to learn piano. Yeah, now. right. Yeah, master my piano skills again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just think it'd be fun to kind of play around with the boundaries of what what's going on in that situation. So kind of probably do similar things to what he's doing, where kind of fucking with people, like playing pranks on people, and then maybe there's some kind of redemption at the end, maybe not. Maybe I just uh, prefer being in the time loop instead of, like... Oh, God, you know. I would go... Uh, oh, God, I would go crazy. I oh, would leave Punks with Tony. And I know they were snowed in. I know they were snowed in, yeah. but I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you could, you could get back to Pittsburgh yeah, snow without, plow, going right? on the hot, you, without going on the freeway. There's other roads, there's smaller back roads get yeah. yourself something with four-wheel drive uh something like with chains you're gonna get out of there yeah go through some closet doors and go to monsters inc land i know what you're saying <laughs> monsters inc land i don't know 
Monster Topia. Uh, Monstropolis. 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 That's Monstropolis. what. Okay, I couldn't remember <laughs> for the life of me. Man. So uh, one one character that really uh, stands out is, uh, is uh, Stephen Tobolowski, who plays Ned Ryerson. Um, how would you react to somebody like Ned Ryerson if you? You mean me? Yeah, yeah. What would you? Would you punch him out? Would you like buy the insurance policy from him? Like, what would your reaction to him be? I probably would just pity him and talk to him, and then like, I don't know. I mean, again, if you're if I'm on a loop, it doesn't matter what I do. But like, I'm I'm saying like, if I just met him on the street, uh, I mean, one thing I have met Stephen Tob uh Tobolowski. Tob oh my God, Tobolowski, Tobolowski, Tobolowski. No, it's whatever. <laughs> Guillermo de Toro. No, I met, I met him at an IKEA, and he was oh, wow. okay. but um, yeah, in, Bur in Burbank. No, um, I don't I know. Mean, I mean, I, I've I, been to that IKEA. I didn't meet anybody cool. I met like the people in those yellow shirts. I think this was yeah. like his big break, right? Because after this, he got a whole bunch of parts from this movie. Right? I think yeah, he just did a lot of extra work and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think yeah. he, I, I think, think this is what kind of like broke his career. Yeah, and they, yeah, and they, he uh, basically then played Ned Ryerson forever and ever. He became he, he's in his own Groundhog Day loop, playing the same yeah. character yeah. in different. I mean, he's in, he's in the Groundhog Day. Like uh, he's in that commercial too. So, but um, he uh, I don't, I don't know. He's he's played some uh, some other characters. Like I love his character in Silicon Valley so much. He's just such a fucking asshole. Oh, he's a perfect asshole. It's it's amazing. Um, I don't know if you guys watch Silicon Valley, but man. Oh yeah, no, it's a good show. Yeah, and but um, I no, I I I I wouldn't get insurance from him, but I think I mean I would talk to him. You know, I mean I'm annoying like him, so I would I would hope that you know people have a little bit more patience with him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> seeing seeing up from my end of the view, uh, end of, end of that, I guess. <laughs> I always uh, I always think that. Um... That uh, this is somehow connected to Memento because uh, in Memento he played um, Sammy Jenkins, and I always think that like uh, Bill Murray punched him so hard that he got dementia and he's like stuck in that asylum as Sammy Jenkins. And I don't know why I always make that connection, but I always think that like Memento and this movie somehow connected in that way through. Uh, I haven't like, watched Memento in so long. I barely remember Memento. I just remember, oh, yeah? like, I just remember the first mirror scene, and then, um, oh, I forgot the other character actor. He played uh, Flask in Batman Begins. He's in a he's lot like, of Nolan he's movies. Like the hotel guy, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, great yeah, actor, yeah. a great actor. That's all I remember. That's that's like pretty much all I remember from Memento. That's pretty good. It's, it's, yeah, it's a great. I think it still holds up. Um, I'm just not a big so Nolan fan. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. Well, we, we can always be going into that into another episode. Maybe we do like an episode of a Tenet or Memento or something at some point in the future. I'm good on Tenet. Uh, I just I, I'm I love Robert Patterson and then the other guy. Uh, I'm forgetting his name. Is I'm blanking on oh, his John name. David Washington. Yes, that guy's so good. Yeah. Um. So Groundhog uh, Day, everybody. Groundhog Day. Oh yeah, yeah. So sorry, sorry, you're getting a little off point. Um. Yeah. So. I just uh, that, that tells you Ned Ryerson. That's the Ned Ryerson rabbit hole we went down. That yeah, right, yeah, wherever that was. <laughs> no, I, just, I feel like I had to bring him up at some point because he's like such a prominent, like he's he's so prominent as a, a. I feel like he is the thing that everybody remembers the most from this film. Yeah, yeah, like his interactions, like the one that kind of stands out. So I feel like I have to kind Phil? of bring him up. Phil, as much as I love this movie, and as much as I, I feel like it's a timeless classic. One thing that really does stand out is that uh, this is actually the last collaboration with um, Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. Yeah. And there was actually a, a few that started from this movie in where Bill Murray, he was going through a divorce and he was, you know, very anxiety ridden. He was very uh, hard to deal with, kind of mean spirited on the set. And uh, Harold Ramis, like they had, they kind of clashed a lot of times as to our, as to for the, as far as the tone of, of this movie um, and then, you know, Bill Murray thought that Harold Ramis was taking credit for his career, uh, Bill Murray's career. And uh, they actually didn't speak for like 20 years. And so, um, and uh, so I just, I don't know, I find that said that like you, we have this timeless movie that we kind of is like comforting. You know, every time I watch this movie, I feel a little bit better. 
Uh, and it's sad that this friendship dissolved because of this. And, well, it's uh, weird because it seems like a lot of directors in Bill Murray clash. Like, I feel like he was, the, yeah, I feel like he's the, uh, the Edward Norton of like the, the 80s and 90s. Like, and I think, I think at that time that was probably definitely true. I think that he was, uh, and I, I th- the interesting thing I think in particular this movie is he pushed in a way that pushed things creatively, at least in this film. And I think it resulted in the best on screen. It's so unfortunate because like they're falling out. They didn't speak until Harold Ramis was, was like dying and they, they did reconcile, but that was it. Yeah. They, at the very end of his life, uh, uh, I I saw an interview with, um, with Harold Ramis's daughter and said that Bill then came out and was just like devastated that I think she realized like, you know, you're talking about a movie where you're in this time loop and what they lost was all that time. That time was just gone. And so I think he, you know, at the end he got it. And I also, I also assume as a person and as a professional that Bill Murray learned how to better conduct himself, conduct himself. Yeah. And, and, and learn how to do the pushback, just like Phil learned how throughout the course of this movie. Um, it's really unfortunate that that's the real life story that's, that's behind this film. But it's it's kind of interesting though, as Paul said, it, it's uh, yet it's still a movie that when I watch it, I just say uh, you feel lifted up because you see someone become a better person, and that's a really cool thing. That makes me like think think was Bill Murray supposed to be in as good as it gets? Then like I'm like, I, that would been weird too. I mean, I think Jack Nicholson was unbelievable in that movie, but sorry, I was just complete. I uh, think man, I miss Harold Ramis. I miss his films. I think he was just top-notch directing especially with comedy i think he definitely is responsible for some of the absolute greatest timeless uh comedies and so including this one as good as it gets and so it's weird and like yeah like i i knew they had a feud i I don't i didn't remember it was actually this movie or or whatnot but like yeah that's crazy that's interesting i did i knew they had a feud and that was kind of the main reason why ghostbusters 3 kind of never took off because Bill Murray didn't want to work with Harold Ramis. I think that was part of the reason why Ghostbusters Three didn't really get anywhere. Um, and but I didn't know. I always took it. I always took it. He was just tired of Ghostbusters. I felt like that was like, like, like I, I, I don't know. Like with me, how it always seemed, and from like what other actors said, it was more like he was taking Ghostbusters like, um, like uh, Harrison Ford was taking Star Wars, where they were just kind of like, can you just please just stop like <laughs> just kill me <laughs> i think i feel like my my take my take is it's a bit of both that's the way i just see it because i don't see how you you could have that with someone that you're then oh we're gonna let's make a movie together no matter how you feel about that property that material like oh we have to work together and i haven't spoken to you at that point in probably 10 years and then in counting so <laughs> So yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm glad at the end. I mean, yeah, like like you said, they lost all that time, but I'm glad they did reconcile before, you know, before Hilderman's passed away, and uh, and that's a thing. It's like I feel like it's such a, a a huge loss felt today. You know, like they're releasing Ghostbusters Afterlife, and um, from what I understand with the trailer, like there's a heavy presence of like Egon Spangler's like presence in that movie. Like I think the what the it's his granddaughter. And that those are all his things in the ranch or whatever. So, like, even to this, it's been like uh, I think seven years since he passed away, but you can still feel that loss and like that that um, you know the, the absence of, of, of such an incredible talent. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to. Uh, so, I just wanted to point that out. I didn't know. So, that if you go through the five stages of grief, this is the depression part of this podcast. Yeah, right. There you go. Well, we're we're arcing. <laughs> we're getting there. Just hang with we're us. Um, but. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't it be great if we did structure it actually that way? But anyway, that's, that's, episode, that's five stages. Yeah, every episode is structured that same way. Oh my god! No matter that's what. Episode, so, so this episode, we're talking about Care Bears, a movie, <laughs> and uh, let's just dive into the depression. <laughs> There's Lionheart, the depressing Care Bear, not even a bear. 
So yeah, yeah. I just had to bring that because I didn't even know that that's where the feud started was with this movie. And so I was doing some research on it. And I was like, holy shit! It's weird that it started with this movie because this movie is so like overwhelmingly positive. And like how it, you know, like you basically take this this whole kind of like like this really selfish person that's kind of just loves himself too much and feels that he deserves everything in life and like treats everybody like shit. And he becomes this like almost like an inspirational person, like uh, that, and he really cares for others. And the part that really gets me is every time, every time I see this is when he's helping out the homeless, the homeless man, the whole, the old homeless guy. Uh, and it starts off with him giving him money and then he buys him soup. And then, you know, he finds out he passed away and the nurse goes up to him and says, uh, you know, it was just your time or that it was just his time. And he just keeps trying to save him. Uh, yeah. He keeps trying to save him. And I, I think that really helped with the development of his character, like from being this, kind of a horrible person to being like, you know, th- this really lovable person that, that, uh, that ended the movie. And I just like, that's, that's what I love about this movie. It's just like, it, it, it's so many, it strikes a chord. It, it like, to, it's like never, it like age has not dulled its, its impact at all. It, it's like timeless. It's a timeless classic. And, you know, when you see, uh, Rita and Phil kiss, and the snow's falling, you realize that time loop is has ended. And then, you know, she wakes up beside him and, you know, he's just happy to be out. He, like, looks out the window, sees that everybody, that it's a new day. And he really enjoys that, like, this, new, this, this like, second chance in life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what, what did you think about, uh, you know, Phil's arc? And... There's a question. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just pointing that <laughs> Nigga, no, tear up here, buddy. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I think it's like what we said before. I, I think he is a strong character. I think he's a great character. I, I, I it, it's inspiring, and yet it's hilarious, and yet like also not relatable at all because I, I feel like I am nothing like what Phil was like. But I mean, I think I think it's inspiring that anybody can change and stuff, and it only takes effort. But I mean, I, I yeah, a plus. <laughs> I mean, I think with this way, it's like. Um, you have to make the choice to change. It, it's not something that you can be insincere about and memorize all the details of somebody and, and like manufacture that love. It's like you have to be sincere, be sincere, sincere person, and want to change in a, sincerely and to do it for yourself and not just for somebody else or like to impress somebody else. Because so I just, I just, there's so much like again. I love this movie so much because there's so much going on. There's so much subtext. There's just like, and you can interpret it so many different ways. And so it's really just a heartfelt and well done movie. And I, I just like it gets me every time. Um, so from here, uh, I, before we closed out, well, well, uh, um, well Josiah didn't answer like, your question. I don't know what the question is. <laughs> how do you feel about how do you feel about about uh, Phil's Phil's uh, Phil's arc? Oh, I hate it! I hate that he became a good person. What a what a cheap ending to a movie. Yeah, what a what a stack of shit. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's what movies are made for, man. And this is why cinema exists because you can in life you don't get happy endings all the time. In fact, you don't get them most of the time. But movies, you can have them. Not every movie deserves or needs a happy ending. Like right for a dream. It's the exactly, most, it's the happiest ending I've ever seen. In yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the first time I watched that, oh my lord! Oh, but I was fourteen. I was <laughs> scarred. I wasn't. I wasn't a whole lot older, but I was still too young. I was. I could have been twenty-seven, and I was too young. Um, but this is why. Th- this is like. This movie reminds me. There's a lot of times where they use. Uh, like I know, like sort of our generation, we're obsessed with the '80s and '90s, right? And so if things are like sort of about coming of age or growing that it's about that era, like stranger things or things like that. That's, that's the era that we examine now our generation. I even know I'm working on a novel that's literally set in the nineties. So I'm right there. And this yeah, movie I, I hate movies based in the nineties, usually in the eighties. <laughs> you'll hate this book. Uh, but anyway, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you won't even the time period. You won't even care. Cause you'd be so engrossed in the story and the characters. I, I promise. But anyway, th- this story it, it's it's this the you know Bill Murray Harold Ramis their generation was the same with like the 1950s so the 80s and 90s movies in particular everything like the nostalgia was for you know whatever time was past 
30 years before that. That's, you know, 30 years ago, the 80s. That's kind of how it is now. So it's, and that's just the way it goes. And there's the, the, you know, the use of like the different songs and stuff that are throwback to like the 60s, like the, you know, the I Got You Babe, the Sunny and Cher. And those things are a throwback in a way that made me think of a cinema of a different era that was much more embracing the fantasy before like the 70s cinema in particular really got to that gritty, the, the realism, like you had that transition in the late 60s and 70s where movies became much more almost real. And this is one of those movies that harkens back to that other style where you have that, that like nostalgia and romance and, and it ha- it can have a happy ending and it works. Like one movie that I, that I like think is a modern example a few years back is the silver linings playbook. It was one of the movies I didn't think I would love, but I loved it, loved it so much. And it's, it's a modern movie. That's basically like a 1950s, or 40s style movie today with the trappings of a, of a movie today but the the heart of it and the way it is and it has the happy ending and all this stuff even though it deals with like other heavier issues but it has in this movie is that kind of thing it's a throwback to another time where you can have a happy ending where you know in the 1940s all movies had a happy ending that felt like or at least the ones that i've seen for the most part or something and that's this movie so did that answer your question Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The, and and going, and I think you're you're very much um, on point with that because when the snow falls and the time loop is broken, that's kind of um, harkening back to "It's a Wonderful Life." When the snow falls, that's when he realizes he's back in his hometown of Bedford Falls, and then he like runs out and is like, "Oh, Emporium!" You know, like he. No, and that's a great par- that's a great, great, great parallel movie that I hadn't thought about. If you like, look at the character arc. It's in a different way, but it's the a similar thing where it's learning the value of, 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 of in, in a wonderful life, it's learning the value of himself to others. And it's in this movie, it's essentially the same thing, learning the value of himself to others, but in the sense that, Oh, I need to start giving. Whereas he, his is, I need to stay here to keep giving, but that's yeah. a very great parallel movie. So yeah. Absolutely. Cool. absolutely. So uh, before we close out here, is there anything you guys want to bring up? Um, before we do like the final thoughts. Well, or... I have I have to tell you my Groundhog story because this is. Oh yeah. So I grew up in Pennsylvania, and Groundhog. Wow, Pennsylvanians in their Groundhog <laughs> stories. We worship them at the altar. So there's a, there's a lot of groundhogs around. They're just big, cute sort of rodent creatures. They're just it's like a they're really cute when you see them in person. They are that cute. I I it, I, I want to hug one so badly. I don't. It probably bite you. Because they, yeah, they do I have like, it's 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 it is essentially a giant rat. So they've got some bit those big chompers. You know, it's like it's like a, it's production. like a beaver with smaller teeth, but it would still probably bite you. <laughs> in production, it, uh, the the groundhog actually bit Bill Murray like several times. Oh yeah, I heard that too. As soon as it's trying to steer him off a man, cliff, it's like I'm man, gonna bite from you. Car- from Carol uh, came just ripping his his lip out, <laughs> and then I'm <laughs> getting bit by that, and then being and just being in Garfield, man. <laughs> Yeah, what a beating! <laughs> Being in Garfield, though, so easy work for probably a huge paycheck and oh, a residual God. for a kids' movie. Is probably that movie no, should have been good. He uh, probably has no regrets on that, though. Anyway, yeah. So, uh, my groundhog story. So, growing up in Pennsylvania, they're everywhere. They're a lot, right? So, I was in late high school, early college, somewhere in that range. I'm not sure. My friend Frank, who is. Uh, now married to the daughter of this family. So his wife, Crystal. Who's now married to the groundhog. <laughs> no, well, so he, uh, Crystal, Crystal's parents, uh, they weren't dating at the time, but Crystal's, and they're now married. But Crystal's parents went, uh, the whole, Crystal and her family went on a trip. And so Frank house sat for them. And I also did this at, like different times too. So we would watch their house when they were away and we'd stay there and take care of their dogs. Right. And groundhogs are everywhere in Pennsylvania. I, like there was one that lived oh. on my parents' driveway and it, my dad had, this uh drainage ditch thing and it created like its little nest in there and so when you'd car a car would come up it was so cute it'd pop its head out and I'd look at you and when the car would get too close it'd go back down in its hole and then your car would go by and it would come back up to look again it was like oh wow yeah like it was adorable it was like having an extra pet so however so we're at crystal's house and we're just hanging out watching movies playing video games whatever we're doing we're like the cool kids so we're like not drinking or doing drugs we're like literally playing video games or just watching movies. 
And so we let, he let the dogs out. And I remember it had just rained. So it wasn't raining at the moment. It was wet. And these are two big German shepherds, Max and Nico. Their name just popped in my head. Big dogs and really well-trained, like, but intense dogs, you know? So he lets the dogs outside. All of a sudden, he they're not coming back in. And he's like, what's going on? And we go, look, and they are fighting over a groundhog. They pulled it out of the garden. They caught one. And these oh, no. two German shepherds, like, right, have you ever seen a dog play? Like, if you guys have seen my dog, Akira, when he gets a toy, when you walk in the house, he's excited. He'll take his toy and, he'll, like, shake it like that. That's how animals do it because it snaps the neck. Oh, right? my God. So that's why oh, when, no. when, a dog sh- when a dog plays with a toy, that's the instinct of, like, if I shake it like this, that'll snap its neck. This poor groundhog, it didn't survive this, unfortunately. Oh, no. So it did pass, but... I know this is horrible, but it's, it's nature. You're animals, you know, and I know uh, Akira would have probably done the same thing, not realizing he's hurting it. But, they, so we go outside. I'm just thinking of Gopher from winning the poo just being ripped to shreds. It's terrible. It's horrifying. By two big German shepherds. So these, uh, with oh, like God. heavy accents. So, so we so go how, out. So how I feel about Phil in the movie. Uh, Paul, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> This is, this should, this this goes back to the depression category. So we have to clean up the corpse of a groundhog. So we get it in the shovel, and they, and they're they're fairly big, and they're chubby little things. So it was heavy. So he he's, picks it up on one shovel, right, like this, and I get another shovel, and we're kind of carrying it towards the woods, and we try to like toss it into the woods, so there's not. A rotting corpse of a groundhog in the yard. I don't know why we did this or what why we felt we needed to like, like we're like the like a, it's in a mom movie and we have to hide the body for the dog. I, so I feel like I'm I, I feel like I'm listening to how to make or uh, uh, making a murder. <laughs> <laughs> this is the confession tapes or something. I think that's another one of those shows. And so I have no idea. <laughs> sounds like one. So anyway, so then. We throw it in and it just goes, like, it doesn't go far enough into the woods. We're like, okay, we got to do better than that. So instead of, like, carrying it back into the woods, <laughs> I feel so bad about this. I take the shovel with the groundhog on it and I, oh. like, lean back and I heave it as hard as I can, like, catapult it forward, right? But the poor thing, there's a tree right here. And that poor groundhog just smacked into that tree and fell straight down. <laughs> so then we had to oh, go carry no. the woods. So that's it. I, I know that's a ridiculous oh, story, but uh, I can't. I can't wait. I can't wait for the angry PETA emails. I, I, we hey, we didn't kill it. It was the dogs. We didn't know what to do with it. We didn't want them to. <laughs> do anything we like you no, know, we know. Didn't want them to eat the you. corpse i know i felt bad like I, I'm, a, I'm a huge animal lover and i had like this groundhog that lived in our place it was like our third pet we had a cat and a dog we had the groundhog in the driveway uh but yeah the, the I groundhog in the driveway and so oh. for for years yeah, frank would tell this, for years frank would tell the story making fun of me for that part of it we we did take the groundhog further into the woods to let it become part of the forest once again. And then y'all oh, drove man. off a cliff with it. Just kidding. No. And then um, I could never, I'll tell you this. I could never look at those dogs the same way again. Oh, Jesus Christ. Max. I think it was Max. Cause Max was like the more intense one of those two. Like yeah. he was the alpha. So he was real, like oh. more aggressive. They were both, they were sweet dogs, but like he was, like you had to pet him first. That was his kind of attitude. He was that dog. Oh man. Yeah. Anyway, uh, final okay, thoughts. Well, <laughs> yes. Yes. A lot of final thoughts and the graphic or whatever. Um, I like this movie way more than Scrooge. Definitely, Bill Murray's. I would say probably his best performance. Yeah, I, I, we discussed it back in Scrooge. How Bill Murray kind of like phoned it in a little bit and. It, it, where it's very apparent that he didn't care what he was making. Where this one, I, I feel like it was very consistent. His performance was fantastic. I, I think Harold Ramis also just did a great job directing it. I don't know, but like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's iconic. Yeah, Ned Ryerson and and everything is it, it's it's just a fun, good, feel good movie. It honestly ages pretty well. Like you know, minus the one thing of you know, kind of like grooming that woman. That's that's not really the greatest thing. But like everything else, like it's. 
it, it's it's a movie that I I would love to show other people if they hadn't seen it, and uh, I still enjoy watching it every single year. So, um, that's my final thought. I love this movie. Bill Murray knocked it out of the park. Harold Ramis, I miss you in your movies, and uh, yeah. All right, what do you desire? Yeah, I love this movie. It's a great film. It just is. It, it's it's kind of what I talked about that old Hollywood thing that sort of harkens back to a different time. It does it in a way that's also contemporary. And like Tyler said, it feels timeless. And 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 that's the really that's when when a film can do that, that's a very unique and special category. Yeah. And like again, in watching it yesterday, the was the, really the first time I ever really paid attention like you said the grooming the woman like, "Oh, that's yeah, that's the one thing in there that doesn't hold up, but which is not bad for a '90s movie because usually, <laughs> no, exactly. not, not, usually a '90s movie is a laundry list of shit that you're just like, <laughs> yeah, okay. it wasn't. But, and it was funny because like I don't know that I just overlooked it or what it was, but I definitely that stood out to me as the the one glaring thing that kind of hurts the movie in any way. Because other than that, like it's 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 nearly perfect. Bill Murray as probably honestly probably yes his best performance like for me I also uh, I'm a big fan of him in Lost in Translation so it's oh, one of those two right. roles I almost but, watched that yesterday too I'm not gonna lie but I feel like Lost in Translation is so great in part because it's informed by who Bill Murray really is and as in, and even this role informs that film because uh, the character he plays in that but it's an all time great film and it, it it's like, it's the kind of film that belongs in a time capsule belongs on a list of the, the best films. It's, it's up there with, with a great, like any great comedy and also a great holiday movie that you forget is a holiday movie. Cause it's groundhog day. Yeah. Happy groundhog day, everybody. <laughs> Happy groundhog day. Happy groundhog day. Yeah. I, I, I concur. With both of my hosts. Uh, you know, it, it's a timeless classic. It's a, just a great movie, and uh, I'm, I'm glad we picked it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I think it's. Uh, I really enjoyed talking about it, and uh, you know, I think it is up there with one of Bill Murray's best. Um, I don't know. I, I yeah, like it's interesting to bring Lost in Translation because that's a personal favorite of mine as well. I love that movie so much. I'm like, I really uh, love how. Like, I feel like the city, the. In Lost in Translation, like Tokyo is kind of a character in itself, where in this movie, like Puxatani is kind of a character in itself, and it's brought out with the the characters, like all the uh, townsfolk. And uh, so I just, yeah, I, uh, so I don't know if anybody had, like that listens to us hasn't seen this movie yet, but I highly recommend it. Um, it'll definitely cheer you up. It's one of those few movies that if you watch it, movie, it'll yeah. cheer you up. Exactly, it'll it'll make it'll make your day. You know, like like Requiem for a Dream. <laughs> oh God! Watch, watch them back to back. Start with Requiem yeah. for a Dream. Yeah, oh, I have a story about that actually. The yeah, only so. thing worse, the only thing harder to watch than the Requiem for a Dream is the book is harder to read. Oh wow! I didn't even it's know pretty there was much a book. Just, it's, oh, it, oh, Hubert Selby Jr. He's one of my favorite writers. It's a brilliant oh, wow. book, but it's like uh, it's the movie, the same plot. So Jesus yeah, Christ! But. Thank you for joining us on this <laughs> on this episode. Thank you for joining uh, us on this, on this on this and, on this insane roller coaster. Just kidding. Yeah, I don't know why I lost my mind there for a second, but uh, yeah, no, I just want to thank everybody for listening to us. And I know there's a lot of podcasts out there, and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us and enjoy our witty banter. And yeah, uh, so we appreciate you. And uh, yeah, I just uh, I just want to say that we have one more episode uh, for the, till the end of the season. So the next episode is our season closer. What is it? Uh, Dragon Ball Evolution. Yeah. So hopefully that's not too bad. We'll see. We'll see how that turns out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I just want to thank you guys because we're kind of getting close to the end of the season. But I just want to thank you guys so much for uh, you know joining me in this Popmos' journey, and I want to thank the audience for you know sticking with us and listening to us, and um, you know just want to thank you for taking the time and and sharing our our, our witty uh, conversations and. So we have a story arc as a podcast where we start out as jerks and then we we get really depressed and then we become cool at the end. That's the story of the exactly. first season of this See? podcast. We're yeah. at acceptance. We're at acceptance and the snow is falling in the grapevine right now. So there you go. All right. Take us out, Tyler.
Well, uh, first off, uh, Josiah, where can they find more? You can find Josiah's me right. at Josiah is right W R I T E as in writer as in writing. So find me on YouTube mostly. A lot of stuff there. I got I got a bunch of new stuff I'm working on right now. So as this episode comes out, hopefully I'll have one on the Marvel Captain America feature film from the from 1990, the direct video film. And it wasn't supposed to be direct video. And uh, find me on Instagram as well. Josiah is right. W-R-I-T-E. And Paul, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's uh, as uh, Arcade Blackfire with a Y. Oh, and real, before I forget, subscribe to YouTube, uh, us at Here the Grand Geek Gathering. And subscribe to me at Josiah is right. And you could win a t-shirt of either The Gathering, Pop Moses, or Josiah is right. So be sure to be subscribed to my channel. And this one here on YouTube. So if you're on some other pod- podcast platform, be sure to hop over YouTube and hit those subscribe buttons and you're going to be entered to win some t-shirts. And we'll be giving out our first after the season and we'll continue to do the promotion throughout, but we'll give out our first after the first season wraps up. And uh, thank you for listening. And you can check out all of our shows and offerings on thegrandgeekgathering.com where we have other podcasts, videos and articles and so much more. I also stream on Twitch twice a week. And you can join our Discord. If you want to get invited to our Discord, just let us know. We'll send a link. Uh, we'll DM it to you, whatever you want. Email us, all the stuff. Also, our music has been provided by Carlisle Laurent. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We will see you next episode as our final episode of this season. Season one is almost in the can, you guys. And happy yeah. Groundhog Day. Uh, don't get stuck happy in a loop. Happy Groundhog Day. Yeah, don't get stuck in a loop, not especially not 2020 slash 2021. Yeah, but we're closer to Steven Tobolowsky, so I think we'll be fine. He's <laughs> like he's he's like the he's like the master of it out here. So <laughs> yes, we'll go to IKEA and, and he'll help you out. Just one more thing I want to point out: thank you, Harold Ramis, for all the amazing works mm. like Groundhog Day and Ghostbusters and everything you've done. And yeah. so I just want to thank you, Harold Ramis. Rest in peace. Yeah, absolutely. Rest in peace, Harold Ramis, and have a wonderful week. Wear a mask and. GGG. What's on the silver screen? I got some takes you wouldn't believe. Grand.